0: To another episode of Let's Get Into It. So, it still feels so weird to jump back into podcasting. Like, it's definitely one of those things, like, you know, how runners have like endurance <laughs> um, or just athletes in general. And like, when they step away for a couple of days or like a week or two, like, it just kind of feels weird to them or like they start lacking that endurance that maybe they had built up or i guess a better analogy would be like riding a bike like when you haven't been on a bike in a while it kind of takes you a couple of minutes to like get back into a normal rhythm of riding a bike that's what it is for podcasting we're basically podcasters i'm basically comparing us to olympic olympic athletes (laughs) <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But I hope that you guys can understand the analogy and how it just kind of feels weird to be back on the microphone. And podcasting is just a weird thing in general. Like if you actually think about it, especially when you don't have a co-host, like you're just sitting here talking into a microphone. But that's besides the point. Um, so this is one of the cooler interviews that I've done um, with Jacqu- Jacqueline Wynn, who actually lives probably she actually lives really close to me, probably like less than two or three hours away from me, and we connected on Facebook and we just got along really well. And we had actually connected back in June, I believe, or July. It was quite a few months ago and for whatever reasons our schedules just like were not lining up and I'm trying to record just on certain days every month and so yeah we we chatted and we were like oh we're so excited to do the podcast and then when it came down to actually recording she had to reschedule I had to reschedule and then we ended up picking this date and it happened to be a week, the probably like one or two weeks after everything with my grandmother happened and I was like kind of dreading going back to just work in general, not re- interviewing her. It was just, we've ever been through a situation with your family or just any intense situation like going back to work is usually like the last thing you want to do even as much as I love my job and I was really looking forward to getting back into podcasting and coaching and course building and all of that I still like wasn't feeling it and so I had this kind of decision in my head I was like you know I'm sure if I had to reschedule Jacqueline would understand But at the same time, I was like, I kind of need to push myself because I've already taken two weeks off. And I think that, you know, I need to push myself just a little bit and just do the interview. And then when Jacqueline and I got on the phone, it was honestly one of those things where I was so surprised by how much the universe truly supports you during these situations, during, you know, a a turbulent or upsetting time. So as I was dealing with everything with my grandmother who has Parkinson's and, and dementia and removing moving her into hospice, her father had actually just passed away about four weeks prior. So in between the last time I talked to her and the time we did our interview, we were both going through grief. And grief is one of those things that Takes you in a tailspin. Everyone deals with grief differently. And having this conversation with Jacqueline was so perfectly timed. (laughs) Like, again, I think the universe or some higher power was at play during this because I was blown away by how much I needed to hear Jacqueline's story and hear how she was able to overcome or not overcome, but deal with losing her father very recently and very suddenly and just hear that, hey, it's okay. Like things are going to get better and how to move through grief and experience grief in every shape and form. So this interview is on the shorter side, but I'm okay with that. I think we had such a good powerful conversation for like an hour before we even hit record. But this interview is awesome. So a family legacy coach and author who's written two books. And if you're like, what's a family legacy coach, we definitely get in more into that um, in the episode. And Jacqueline and I really connected because we do have, we do both come from Asian families. And we talk a lot about what the expectation of, you know, being in an Asian family and how important legacy is and just the the culture of it all is even though we're from different countries in Asia, we definitely there's definitely some really strong ties there. So we also talk about how Jacqueline is transitioning and rebranding her business after um, the recent and sudden loss of her father and we talk about her journey to America, which I am so grateful that she was open and willing to share that story Um, on the podcast because it is beautiful and heartbreaking all at the same time. And also we talk about the powerful legacy that she plans to leave behind for her own family. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. You can find Jacqueline in the links below so you can you can check out her website. And she also has a podcast called Parent Pump Radio, which is really, really good. Even if you're not a parent, I feel like you can learn so much. I checked out a couple of episodes and I was definitely felt like that there was a lot of value provided in the episodes that I did listen to. So definitely go and check her out. And I will see you guys on Friday. Um, so, all right, be kind. Hi, Jacqueline. How are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing good. We just had like such a good conversation prior to this, so I feel like this is gonna be a good, a good um, segue into some good stuff. Yeah, I agree. So tell us a little bit more about
1: what you do. Well, you know, um, probably about a month ago if you asked me this, it m- might have been a different answer. Um, I've had, uh, you know, my father recently passed away suddenly. Um, and when a big thing like that happened in your life, you start reflecting on where you are and where you want to go. And I think one of the biggest things um, I always talked about leaving wealth as a legacy for your children, um, not just in money, right. But also in um, your values, your purpose, things like that. And I think, with what's happened in my life more so now i'm gonna speak more about leaving that legacy to your children so that they can carry on your name and why you are
0: you're here and what's important to you i love that i do agree i think sometimes when those really powerful moments in our lives happen it definitely like brings about a lot of change as well like not only like in our personal lives, but especially as an, as a business owner, like you kind of want to do things a little bit differently. Like, I think you like sink a little bit more into alignment, I guess would be the right word of what your actual purpose is. Cause you're kind of reminded of that when you lose someone.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, life can take us over and we just, we're like, um, Uh, mindless we just go through day you know what we do I has a habit day in day out and it almost takes something to jolt us to go wait a minute you know am I just mindlessly going through my life or and then you have to ask yourself why am I doing what I'm doing what's the purpose of what I'm doing and why am I here who am I and I think those moments in our life when we lose a loved one Um, especially in particular, right, Um, those moments where we're like, what's
0: my purpose? Mm -hmm. What do you think your purpose is now? I mean, I'm sure you've known, but like- do you feel like there's been any shift in your own purpose since your father passed? Yes, definitely. You know, I have been
1: a speaker. I mean, I graduated from UC Irvine with a theater degree. So speaking and being on stage was something that I've always just enjoy. And I never thought about how powerful speaking and speaking well is, I think until this all happened. And, um, you know, they say the number one fear for most people is public speaking, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so we tend not to, and it's not just speaking like in, on a stage, you know, it's even standing up at your work, you know, in a, a meeting and leading a meeting, you know, people are afraid of that. Um, and so I say have a family meeting often. Lead that family meeting so that your family can see who you are and show them your values, show them what's important to you, and teach them what the purpose of having a family is.
0: Absolutely. What do you think your father, what do you think those values were for your father that he kind of passed on to you?
1: Um, You know, coming from, I'm Vietnamese. And coming from a Vietnamese background and an Asian background, uh, we're very much about, about legacy and family and honoring the name of our family and what it means. So I think my father has really, I mean, I I've, I've I've, have felt my father in the last month, probably more so now that he's omnipresent. but I really feel like he wants me to make sure that People speak because he never did. Mm-hmm. As a man, I think he's, you know, and, and as an Asian man, they're taught to not show their feeling, to not speak a lot. You know, the less words, the better. And mm-hmm. um, he lost his story in a way. And and I feel like now what I want to do is teach the men um, how to speak, how to speak well uh, in meetings at home and meetings at their work, and then maybe you know, in a bigger forum on who they are and what kind of wealth they want to leave to this world.
0: Absolutely. We were talking about that before we started recording of like how my dad is kind of the same way. Like, I think he's very, like, empathetic and compassionate, like, towards me when I'm upset. But, like, if he's going through something, like, he doesn't talk about it. He's not going to show emotion. And I'm like, I feel like that's such a – my dad is Asian, for anyone listening that doesn't know. So it's, like, a very – a common thing yep. among Asian men and I mean I'm sure across other ethnicities and, and, yeah, and all yeah. of that too as well I don't think it's just Asian men I think it might just be men in general um, and I think I mean what you're doing right now I think is honoring your father too by like talking about it and talking about his purpose as well hmm Right. Right. And like, you, you know, I think you're right.
1: I think men in general are taught to be stoic and not because emotion is a sign of weakness. At least that's what it was. It was probably up to maybe 10, 15 years ago, right? That's just what it's known. Um, uh, and in different degrees, some culture it is like, it is it like the Asian culture, right? You do not men do not show their emotion; they're stoic. Um, other culture, not so much. And I truly believe that's one reason why men life expectancy is less than women, because they are not they're ingrained almost in their DNA to not release emotion. And I think I told you off, you know, before the show crying is the first thing a baby does to show life when it's born. Mm -hmm. And yet that's the first emotion that is taught to men to not show because somehow that's a weakness. But yet when we're born, that's a strength. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm totally into like how the emotional body and the physical body kind of combined together and I think like for women we're like much better about releasing emotion Mm -hmm. and like moving like this whole month and this is just experience in general with my own grandmother has been like Moving through emotion, like yeah. really leaning into it, whereas I think like some people move away from it because they're like, "This is such an uncomfortable feeling," and I'm like, "You're yeah. gonna continue to be uncomfortable until you really lean into it and like learn to move and just and 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 lean into that emotion, like no matter how uncomfortable it is." And so I think women might be a little bit more intuitively and uh, more intuitive in in, yeah. in that process than. Um, than men for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, people don't look at that as a wealth, right? I think people think wealth associates somehow with money or commodity, things like that. Um, But wealth, I think is encompasses the emotional and the intellectual and also the physical part.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think money is just a wealth equates money. I think like wealth can be, you know, health, it can be emotional wealth. Um, there's so many different areas of that for sure, but you actually have a really interesting story of how you came to the U S so can you share that with everyone? Because I think it is like, it is the most (laughs) incredible story I've, I've like one of the coolest, not cool, but like it just intriguing and interesting stories.
1: (laughs) You know, now that I, I, my dad had written, um, a 10 page sort of biography of, uh, he was a, he was a, uh, in the Vietnamese war, uh, the South Vietnamese war. And he was actually, uh. Uh, an espionage he was a he was a spy for the south vietnamese government to help infiltrate to you know hopefully help us win the war but it didn't happen and as i'm reading some of his stuff i didn't realize how what it took for him to get us over here so i actually have a broader now um, story of that but i'll tell you what i um, i we talked about off camera i mean off the show was i was seven years old when my father Um, basically drove my mother my sisters and I down the tarmac to um, while the war was going five days before it ended. And we were flown out in a C-5 cargo plane, thousands of women and children sitting in a cargo plane on the floor, huddled next to each other. We were flown to safety to an island called Guam, where there was an American military base there. And Five days later, it was announced that our country had lost the war and we would never be able to go back. We would never be able to talk to anyone we knew. And it literally was like the witness relocation program. We were now thrown in an environment that everybody looked different, everybody talked different, everybody ate different, and (laughs) (laughs) we were like aliens. (laughs) And all I remember was how tall everybody was, (laughs) how tall American (laughs) people were.
0: So where in
1: America, you said St. Louis, right? Yeah, we ended up in St. Louis uh, in the middle of winter and coming (laughs) from a country, it was very difficult. Um, it snowed and we didn't have proper clothing and my four sisters and I were sick all the time. And the doctor literally said to my mom, you need to move to a sunnier place or your children are going to die. Like they're not going to make it. And so my parents had some friends, um, in orange County, California, and, uh, they said, come out here. It's sunny and it's good weather. And, um, we have a community here. So my dad bought a station wagon. I think he said it was like $500 or something like that, that he oh purchased it for. <clears throat> Got two other family who wanted to go to. So we caravan from St. Louis to, or- um, to uh, Orange County. And um, my dad was one of the people that started the whole movement that created Little Saigon in Orange County, which is now, Um, has the largest Vietnamese population in the world outside of the country itself. Wow. That's
0: amazing.
1: Yeah. Life was not easy. Um, You know, I, we ended up moving many times. Um, It just seemed that every place we moved to within a year or two, the landlord decided to sell the house and we would have to move. And I went to 10 different schools between, you know, second grade and 12th grade.
0: So did you speak any English when you came to the US? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Zero. My mom didn't
1: know. We never thought we would have to be in America. My dad was the only one because um, he was a translator and he needed to know it to be in espionage. And he was the only one. I knew nothing. Oh my gosh.
0: And when you guys came to St. Louis, your dad wasn't with you, right?
1: No, actually he was. He escaped. Um, that's going to be another. I'm going to have to tell you about that story. How he escaped because I just learned about that in the last two weeks since I, you know, since his passing, um, I found you know this printout of what he wrote, and I had no idea what it took for him to escape. Because what happened was, because of the position he was in in the military, he was allowed to have his wife and children be shipped out. Um, so that he could stay and fight with a peace of mind that his wife and children were safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were shipped out uh, and he stayed and, fight to the, and fought to the last moment. And then he escaped with, which is, a whole, like I said, a whole other story of how he escaped. He was reunited with us. And then once he was reunited, they allowed us to fly to the United States awaiting for a sponsor to sponsor us out of the camp
0: okay so this is a really like u.s history failed me (laughs) this section um (laughs) well i guess world history so why was it so important for you guys to leave vietnam before the war ended
1: okay so because of the knowledge that my dad had and the intelligence his level of intelligence um he was a he would if if the enemy captured him he would definitely be in you know they would use his family to get his knowledge and got it right and he would probably give up information that he wouldn't have normally been trained because they're going to torture us to get those information from him and people that were in those level of position um they needed them to stay and fight Because of their skills and their level, but they wanted to make sure that those people could stay and fight and still be protected. And so, one of the ways was to make sure that their family, their immediate family and loved ones were protected.
0: So that, okay, that makes more sense. But then you said, but then other people were also leaving Vietnam too, who didn't have like the, I'm sh- sure the same level of clearance as your father, right? No, that, that was just them trying to escape on their
1: own. That was just the mass exodus of, you know, people, general population trying to exit themselves. We were actually flown out where a majority of the people were on boats.
0: Oh my gosh. That,
1: that's why you heard the word boat people. Um, uh, is that was the only way out? Was you know by boats and fishing boats and things like that. Uh, the original set of uh, how many hundreds of thousand were cleared based on certain levels of where they were at.
0: That is so incredible. I my the reason why Jacqueline's story like, really intrigued me so much, and I actually, like, I haven't talked about this at all in the podcast, because I usually, like, don't really talk about my family, <laughs> um, is, so my grandfather was in the Philippines, and during the time, I believe it was actually the Japanese that invaded the Philippines, and they were, like, collecting boys to like basically train them to fight Mm -hmm. and so my grandfather when that happened he went into the jungles of the Philippines and like literally lived there for quite a few years Mm -hmm. and the only way to escape basically being recruited to to fight for the Japanese was to um, go into the U.S. Navy. My grandpa wasn't technically old enough to join so he went to a priest and was like can you please forge my birth certificate for like I think it was two years like two years so he'd be to te- like look two years older on a birth certificate so he could join and I think because of just the, the conditions of the Philippines at that time the priest agreed and so my grandfather was able to join the Navy before he was, like, actually legal legally allowed to, um, and then my dad came a few years later, I believe, yeah, a few years, couple of years later, and my dad and grandma actually flew to, oh, I don't remember where they flew to, but they were also on a cargo plane, I believe, so, like, when I heard, like, your story, it was, like, that just, like, really, connected with me and I think that it's just something about the Asian culture is so intriguing to me and I don't feel too connected to it um because my grandparents really wanted my aunts and my or my aunts and my dad to be like Americanized so like they don't even know Tagalog because my grandma was like I don't want them to go to school and like get made fun of for having quote an accent like such an an antiquated idea now but like Back in the 60s and 70s, like, you know, you come to America, like, it wasn't, like, it just, they didn't want them to, like, struggle in school, so they only spoke to the kids in English. Um, So it's just, yeah, it's just very interesting how every, like, everyone's immigration story is so unique and so different, Um, but it definitely, like, I think connects a lot of people for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't realize how many people were a part of some sort of war until yeah. they, until they talk about, you know, I mean, definitely, if not, our parents, our grandparents somehow was involved in something. Um, and people think it's just World War One, World War Two. No, war is going on all the time. <clears throat> Sometimes it's a civil war, which what started in Vietnam was a civil war mm-hmm. and then other countries came in. Um but it's there's there's so much so many stories that people who were involved in war don't want to think about it and then it just gets lost
0: yeah like I didn't know a lot of this stuff about my grandparents until maybe like three or four years ago and I was like how come no one told me this like how come this was not like, how many hundreds of thousands of dinners have we had as a family? And like, no one <laughs> thought to like bring any of this up. And I was like, I just felt so much more connected to like my culture, to my grandparents, like just to like my purpose in life, what hearing that story. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what you're kind of like circles back to like leaving a legacy with your family is like you have to share these stories and communicate these things to your children, to your grandchildren, to your cousins, your nieces and nephews, so that they know that they're a part of something much bigger than just themselves.
1: Yeah, and you know you want to tell them about the hardship. It's and I think that's the thing is a lot of parents just think they want to protect their children, which is. I think absolutely noble. It's great. You know what I mean? Like you, we don't want our children to feel sad or upset or anything like that. So you think, you know, all those things I experienced are, are just horrible things that happen. So I don't want to tell my kids and, you know, they'll just make up their own thing. But like you said, it actually connected you to your roots more. It didn't make you sadder. It actually made you feel stronger and more connected. To who you are, and I—that's one of the reasons why I want to send this message out—is that talk about all these things, not just the good things, because your children and your grandchildren are going to feel more connected to who you are when they hear these things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like even now, like just to kind of like poke fun at like you know Instagram models, (laughs) like just Instagram in general. Like I'm like, okay, did my grandparents like? really work so hard escape like the jungles of the philippines like <laughs> co- like sacrifice so much to be able to like you know have my dad and raise my dad and then my dad do the same for me for me to like post on instagram like me drinking a celery juice wearing lulu lemons like absolutely not like yeah. there's so much more to who i am as a person than just like the facade of it all and i think that's like why I, when, when I heard that, I was like, there's so, like, there's just a greater purpose. Yeah. Not only, not to, like, to my life, and I don't mean that in a sanctimonious way. I think we can all find that in our own cultures, in our own families, um, than just being, like, you know, on Instagram, like, showing off these things. Like, there's so much more to give from, from that place, from that source. And, and that's
1: the thing is, that's, your past is the roots right? That go down. And I. this is how I see it. Your past is your root. Your future is like the sky. That's how you connect. So one arm is reaching forward and one arm is connected to the past. And that's where the strength is from, is from our ancestors and the th- what they had to go through t- for you to get to where you are because you didn't get here without all of them. Exactly. So when we can connect, to their hardships, their sadness, their down times, you know, those moments, those are where strength come from. And I think, um, our, the people in our older generation, they think that as weakness, like, like we were talking about earlier, the crying is weakness, but really crying is a strength, you know, those moments where they went bankrupt, they had nothing. Um, you know, we came here with nothing except the clothes on our back. And the few dollars we had didn't even convert because, you know, the country shut down. So all the currency is gone. Those are the moments which some people think of like, those are my weakest point. Those were the points where I was at nothing, but really that's the point of your strength.
0: And too, I think like to think about like the friends and family that like your dad knew some people in orange County, like my dad had like, or my grandfather had like a cousin somewhere and, san francisco or like something like you need your community you need other people to survive sometimes yeah we're as humans even like
1: very few animals are alone creature right like most of them are in groups in packs in herds and in humans we live in tribes and that's where we get the strength is from each other from our ancestor from everything that's around us and i think that's people one way to help connect to your purpose and why you're here is you you need to connect to your past and your ancestor is that past that was going to help guide you
0: absolutely well thank you Jacqueline so much for sharing all of this with us I really really appreciate it where can people find you on the internet Yes, they can go to minds,
1: with an S, dot com. Um Right now, obviously, I think the website is what it is, and it's definitely going to get rebranded a little bit and changed over in the next four to six months because of what's happened in my loss in my life, which I don't really think of a loss. I think it's a gain. Um, and people can follow me and see my journey. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome, and thank you for allowing me to share this message. I know it wasn't what we planned for this show, but I- <laughs> but I think it was somehow
0: divine timing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> One more thing. If you loved this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Head over to my Instagram and tag me at livingbreely with you listening to this episode. I'd love to hear from you, see you, connect with you, and know which episodes and interviews you're finding valuable. For any courses, freebies, or blog posts mentioned in this episode, you can head over to livingbreely.com or check out the show notes below.